to Cryptids Unlimited. My guest tonight is Chester Moore from Dark Outdoors Podcast and uh, also a friend of mine for many years now. So I'm going to let him go ahead and introduce himself and we'll get started. Well, it's great to be on here. I've been involved with Ducks Unlimited over the years. There used to be a Whitetails Unlimited. So why in the heck not a Cryptids Unlimited? <laughs> and uh, love the title. It's great to speak with you, Lisa. And uh, just to talk the great outdoors and maybe even the spooky elements of it. Yeah, and I know your podcast is very important for people like me that spend a lot of time out in the woods. It's mm-hmm. a necessity for people to go and check it out. And I've I've advertised that. you a lot, so yeah. Well, I appreciate that. You know, we're it's it's building. Season two, every episode was thirty percent more than season one, so um, we're we're building out there. And um, the kind of podcast that I do, I can't. I, and what I do is I do seasons. My goal is to do two seasons a year, and a mini season of like four episodes in October. And so um, every other week for eight weeks, we'll do runs because it's so much research um that i can't just crank stuff out you know so i have to take breaks and then do research and trust me the mini season in october has got some wild stuff and i'm just about wrapping up the research for that yeah and october's my favorite time of year so i'm interested to see what you have coming 
Yeah, you know, Doc Outdoors, of course, is to raise awareness of the growing dangers in the outdoors, whether it be, you know, crime, meth heads, um, down to serial killers and animal dangers, climate conditions. And uh, and the reason is I kept running into crazy stuff in the great outdoors myself and making it out thanks to the grace of the Lord. Uh, so I thought, you know, I have a radio show I do as well called More Outdoors. And one night I was like, had a story. I'm like, anybody ever had this happen to you? And like, I couldn't get to all the phone calls. So I'm like, okay, maybe we're on to something here. And about a year later, I had formulated what we want to do. So it'll be fun to talk about that. Whatever else you want to talk about here. Thanks for it. It's an oh, honor yeah. to be on Cryptids Unlimited. <laughs> well, the floor is yours. So we'll talk about whatever you want. Cool. Appreciate that. Yeah. I know I've listened to a few of your podcasts and they're they're very informative. Was I know there any I, particular one that, like you went, oh boy, that was creepy, or maybe you learned something in particular? You know, I had listened to your podcast ahead of time before we went to East Texas, and it wasn't our fault, but the, the girl that was driving the side-by-side parked us the wrong direction at a dead end, <laughs> and so, yeah, something happened. We got charged by something, and we couldn't get out of there, you know, fast enough and i thought then i looked at everybody and i said didn't chester tell us see? to never park the wrong direction and make for an easy getaway <laughs> see I, I, my stuff you know you're like the third person that's told me that either that happened or they're always doing that now and um i have a fishing spot that's really really good hidden in the city in the middle of the woods and I have two names for it, the non-disclosure agreement location. That means if I take you to this spot, you're not going to tell anybody or you'll get whacked. Uh, and I also call it the dark outdoors hole <laughs> because it's creepy. <laughs> and you, ha- you, I mean, it's an absolute must. And I actually backed in my spot and I had to retreat and everything one day. And uh, this woman's car must have had stealth mode in it because I'm fly fishing, <laughs> right? I'm fly fishing down in there. And then, like, usually, you you know, you can hear people coming from at least a half mile away on this road, you know. She just popped up about 100 yards away. I could hear a little gravel crumble. And I'm like, something's up, you know. I I think she was probably meeting someone she wasn't supposed to meet to buy drugs or have a affair with someone or something. But it was like, I'm glad she wasn't a Ted Bundy of the modern era, you know. Yeah, right. (laughs) And that was one of my favorite ones you did was on Ted Bundy. That was very interesting. Well, there was a couple of reasons, Lisa, behind that one. I'm glad you brought that one up. Number one, um, I knew if I was going to start this podcast, I had to start it off with a bang. And people like to hear about serial killers and stuff. And, of course, there's no more notorious evil one than Ted Bundy. And my show isn't about, like, you know, the psychosis of serial killers or the gory details. We don't talk about any of that, but what a lot of people didn't know and how I actually got Stephen Michaud who wrote that famous book and sat across from Bundy in prison for six months was because I talked about his use of the outdoors, you know? And when he said, when Stephen Michaud said, you know, I said, you know, if I ran into a Ted today, like say Ted were alive today and he's about to rape and kill a woman and I'm have my fly rod, and I'm going back country. Right. And I ran into him when he turned on me because I would confront him. He goes, oh, ah, yeah. no, nah, you're a, you know, you, how tall are you? I said six foot. It's not he, he ran. He hit women with a tire. <laughs> he goes, but if you were a woman, mm-hmm. he goes, he wouldn't have been able to help himself. And that gave me chills. So 
I've learned a lot too, and had some positive, um, had some really positive, uh, you know, response from people. Uh, we have a, a lady that we know just, you know, who always in the back country, um, looking for, you know, different arrowheads and stuff like that. And she's extremely beautiful and always wearing like Daisy Dukes. Oh, and gosh. I've told her a couple of times, I said, you are a horror movie waiting to happen. You're like the <laughs> intro kill of a horror movie waiting to happen. She listened to the Bundy episode and goes, I'm going to get my concealed carry license. <laughs> so absolutely. Everybody should cool. have one. Yeah, that's been cool. And then just, you know, the investigative element of it has been very, very interesting for me and um, learned a lot of stuff myself, you know. Yeah, and when you started talking about how he used uh, National Forest, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. That was I thought I knew everything about what he had done, but I had no idea that he was taking people to the National Forest. That was new. Yeah, you know, there's so much. Uh, I mean, we they think Bundy could have killed. Matter of fact, his one of his lawyers said Ted told him he killed over a hundred women and, and a man. Nobody ever knew about the man. He said there was a our first yeah. kill was a man, according to this lawyer. So you think about that, but we know he killed close to 40 at least. I think he was, you know, linked to for sure. And a number of those, quite a few were taken out into forest areas. And uh, he would basically dispatch of them, you know, knock them in the head or whatever he did and then take them out there and do his evil. And, you know, you think about there's guys like Gary Ridgway, um, different killers, that were out there, you know, you had Green River Killer, then you had the National Forest Killer guy, you know, the Hinton guy, and these different people kind of use corridors of forest or national forest and a lot of that stuff because they want to be able to do what they do in private, you know, and the same reason we're in the outdoors. We like to go have solitude and peace and fun, and these evil people, and I make no mistake, I'm not one of these people who are like, well, he was very misunderstood. No, no, no. If you hack women up, I don't care what you're evil, you know? So I call them what they are. Uh, so if someone gets offended, please don't call Lisa. You can message me. Okay. <laughs> but, um, you know, so they're out there like the reverse reason of what we're out there, you know, and sometimes there's this collision of, of people and I always want the good people to come back out of the woods alive. And if the other guy don't make it, eh, maybe you'll save a life. <laughs> yeah, man, that's right. <laughs> Well, you know, I spend at least once a month out there, you know, searching yeah. Bigfoot, of course. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then last month we went to Alabama. We had a lot of weird stuff happen, but um, we were even on private land there. But even then we saw some suspicious people because we were on the river and some suspicious people came through there just staring at us, you know, because we were camped right yeah. on the river. And I was like, you know, even private land's not safe anymore. Well, when I went to Boggy Creek, in 2001, for the very first time, I had went to the Texas Bigfoot Conference, Craig Woolheater's conference, and met Smokey there. I was doing my own conference called the Southern Crypto Conference. I was building for the first one. And Smokey, being such a Southern gentleman, invited me and my dad to come up and visit him. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to visit the guy from the legend of Boggy Creek, you know. And we get out to, to his place, and he shows us around. He goes, would you like to go see one of the places they filmed the scene uh, where my son paddles his Piro? And I said, sure, it'd be great. And I, you know, I was like, you know, cool. And we get out there, and Smokey was like five foot five, maybe, you know, pretty short guy. And he pulls out a 357 with like an eight-inch barrel, and he puts it on him. And he had that southern drawl, and he looks right at me, Chester, 
this ain't for the monster. It's for the people out here. <laughs> and, I'll yeah. never, and, I, and I'll never forget that, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And I always carry. I don't care if it says no firearms allowed. I'm like, it's coming in my tent with me. I'm sorry. Absolutely. <laughs> and incidentally, I apologize for any rooster crowing noises in near my office here. There's some people across down the road that have these chickens that are all running loose in the in the area now. And and uh yeah, I'm hoping one of the raccoons whacks the rooster tonight out here. <laughs> well, I apologize for my appearance because I fell down on the oh, way no. out from Alabama and busted my face and broke my arm and well that's no bruised, good. Sorry yeah, bruised some ribs and it gets a little hard to breathe sometimes because it hurts the ribs, you know. But yeah. I'm yeah, there's a cost it. sometimes to going out and adventuring in the outdoors, you know, and uh, sometimes the most dangerous thing is just slipping, you know. That's what I did. And it, yeah. and knowing better than to be by myself, you don't hike by yourself. No. You know, you hike with someone. Mm -hmm. But I was going back. The others were behind me and I was going back to see what was taking them so long. And, mm -hmm. you know, they did find me when they came when they came on up the road. But, you know, I thought about it then. I said, you're not supposed to be out here by yourself. So no. I guess I'm just. I'm hard-headed and don't listen. Well, you know, the by yourself thing is, 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 is difficult sometimes because sometimes you have a limited window of time you can go and no one else can go, you know? So That's I true. always limit myself, like how far I can go somewhere. If I'm by myself, like I have a certain limit, like I was in Nevada a few years back and, um, you know, I went to, uh, the wild sheep foundation show and spent a couple of days driving Nevada, looking for bighorns to photograph and, I just said, I'm not going to go any further than a few hundred yards up a trail and then come back. You know, I just didn't let myself venture too far in. And uh, tell you, the, there, there was a dark outdoors moment there for sure, because I did not know how rural one of the spots was going to be. And so I had my directions from Reno and it's to, and I was going to a trade show in Vegas. If you, it was like three days later. So here I am, I, I'm going from, I'm, I'm going from six hour, seven hour drive. And I hit this area that looked like the hills have eyes from 1977. Was... Literally, I'm waiting for like Michael Berryman, the ball guy, to walk out with a spear. And it's in the middle of nowhere. And then it says road ends. And my GPS is still going. And there's like a road. It's like a dirt trail. And it said, then it says, then it says, not, it didn't say potholes. No, it says craters possible ahead. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like driving through here and I'm like, oh boy, I said, I'm going to end up barbecued or something, you know? And like I'm driving and I make it out and finally way in the distance, I see this little glimmer of uh, light. And it's like, it just, it's like, it's flashing. And I'm, what am I looking at? And I get closer and closer and I come up on top of like the, the edge of this, this uh, hill and, and the road starts back up and it's going down. So I'll pull over and pull my field glasses out and look. And it says, I kid you not. I can see it. Area 51 alien shop. <laughs> and I'm like, this is the first thing that I see, right? This yeah. is this is my beacon of hope. And it was some, not much hope there. No, it was some oddball little gas station, like, you know, it was oh like middle of nowhere. But it's it's funny though. But there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting stuff out there. And um, you know, it's it's just always an adventure to be outdoors. And my question has always been, what is out there? Yeah. I mean, you know, I just got through uh, helping with, okay, the final edits on a fly fishing documentary that I'm part of. And 
one of the things I say in the commentary is, you know, that's what I always wonder. What is out there? Me putting that little flyer, that lure, or whether I'm fishing for catfish and a hunk of liver, what's under the water? What's out there? I want to see it, you know, and that and that's really what keeps me going in the great outdoors, you know, and and that's that's always fun because I've noticed, you know, I'm 49 and a lot of times that people get older, they lose zeal for what they're into you know like they run out of it and i've kind of had the reverse happen i'm probably more motivated than i've ever been so uh i love being out in it you know yeah and i saw um i saw i think it was on facebook that you were doing something with the children yes some kind of a wish thing or yeah yeah i'm glad you asked about that so that's actually where i'm at i have a little mini office in one corner but the rest of this is where we greet the kids that come into our program so me and my wife my wife lisa me and lisa moore have a ministry and our mission is to bring the love of christ to hurting children through wildlife encounters so we work with children who have terminal illness we work with children who um have lost parents and siblings, children suffering depression, children in the foster system. In the last two years, we've been privileged to work. Another group brings us girls that have been through sex trafficking. And um, we have a small zoological facility. You've heard of like therapy with like ponies mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Well, we have, we actually have ponies in another place, but we have foxes and porcupines and oh. pythons and giant tortoises and skunks and prairie dogs and about a dozen different bird species and the kids get to come uh interact with those and it helps bring a lot of healing and and the the wish program is called wild wishes and in january it will be 10 years old and we will have grant at this point i think we're on trajectory by then to have 225 230 wishes granted by then oh wow we're at 223 right now, which is kind of mind-boggling. And then out of that, we have uh, this higher call. I mean, yeah, this <laughs> higher <laughs> calling wildlife, and that is um, the conservation branch of that because we would have kids coming here, like I have a full-body mountain lion and an elk and a oh wow. and, this, and all kind of cool stuff in here. And uh, kids ask about that because I work in the hunting and fishing wildlife world professionally as a writer, podcaster, TV, and all that. And they want some of the kids kind of wanted to know how to get involved in doing conservation work. So that was uh, an interesting thing to kind of make a leap to doing because we took in some of those kids started doing expeditions where we took them into the field uh, to get involved in conservation project. We've taken the first one. We took a girl and let her do a desert bighorn capture with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Uh, that was four years ago. She is now graduating from Texas Tech in December with a wildlife management degree. She has cystic fibrosis. She's 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 prospered through all of this. Kids taking um, out with the National Wild Turkey Federation and a group called Spring Creek Outdoors and releasing wild turkeys to help restore populations. And then we've done expeditions to Colorado where we take them out and do photography of elk and bighorns and moose and mule deer and pikas and marmots and everything else and uh, i'm actually leaving a week from today i'll be in colorado this time next um, week and we're going to be doing some expedition work with a couple of kids there and that's really the heart that's what gets me excited that's what i really like to do is that stuff that is that's super important to me to see the life of a child who's been through hell a couple of times already 
and to see them light up when they get to go yeah. feed my big tortoises or, you know, there's a kid named Juno and uh, Juno has, um, well, she had cancer and she's now cancer free. And last year when we visited her, she couldn't go into the field because of the cancer. So she got to meet a sloth at the Denver uh, Aquarium. And um, this year I got to walk her out into Rocky Mountain National Park. And I remember walking, I'm walking her out to this rock, this big boulder, because I knew there were mule deer down right below. And I got to walk Juno out to this rock and held her the camera and show her how to shoot it. And she got to photograph mule deer and elk and all that kind of cool stuff. So that is really our heart and what I get real excited about doing. Oh, yeah. That's that's awesome. That's that's something that, that you know, anybody should be, you know, should have their heart in stuff like that. That's that's awesome. And then, well, you know, you, you might have seen you might have seen the announcement that was on um, the Texas Bigfoot Conference um, uh, Facebook page about, you know, I put something on there and also the Falk Monster Festival as well last year. So um, like Craig Woolheater and I have partnered together. Um, Randy Hutchings uh, up in Tennessee doing the Tennessee Wildman and Crypticon to partner together. And uh, for both of those different events, we're going to be having kids that are in our family come in that's dealing with some of these categories of, of challenges to be part of the thing for free. They're getting a huge Bigfoot centric gift package and stuff awesome. like that. So I'm still looking for one for the Texas event. So you can message me at Chester at Chestermore.com or if you can contact Lisa, she can reach out to me if, if you forget how to get a hold of me. Um, but we already got one for Tennessee. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be at that event talking dark outdoors as well. So um, always trying to find a cool way to tie this stuff in and help somebody who needs some help. Oh, yeah. And I know both the guys you're working with and they're both good guys. Yeah, both good. But, both good people. Yeah. But my question is, where do I get one of those? No. <laughs> <laughs> Stand in line, Lisa. There's a whole bunch of adults been asking about this. I bet there have. When we get the last kid, <laughs> then I'll get to y'all, okay? <laughs> when you run out of kids, okay. Yeah, one of my buddies keeps saying, I want a wild wish. And I'm like, I bet you do, pal. I bet you do. <laughs> I just want to come see the mountain lion, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, the mountain lion's he's not alive, so but he's, he's he's back here in the corner. He's, he's He was donated to me by a taxidermist. It's kind of a crazy story. When I was a kid, I shot my first deer, and I stayed up to get it mounted. And I brought it to this local taxidermist and he had this full body mountain lion in his office. And I thought that was like amazing. Well, like 10 years later, I'm in college and I go back and I go get a duck mount and it was still there. And I'm like, the guy never picked it up. So he just had it in his office. And I kept, you know, talking to wow. him about it. Well, like seven years ago, six years ago now, I said, hey, man, you got to donate this to me for what we do. And the kids would love to see it when they come in. That would blow their mind. He's like, well, I'm going to give it to this other place. This other place has a $7 million budget just for their programs every year. Yeah. And I'm like, they could buy a bunch of live mountain lions. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, and uh, a week later, the phone rings. I'm closing shop today. If you want the cat, come get it. So the, the cat, oh. the amount I've wanted my entire life is right behind me over here. So. So it's, yeah, uh, it was it was actually meant to be yours. Yeah, let's see here. There you can barely see it back. <laughs> oh, in the corner. I can see it. Yep. Yeah. See so kids All freak right. out. The first thing they usually do is bust out the cell phone for a selfie with it. Oh yeah. The funniest <laughs> thing, I was 
on the way back from getting it, I stopped at a subway. I had this thing in the back of my truck. You should have seen everybody's faces in line behind me. It's like this mountain lion. Yeah, that's oh, crazy. Wow. Yeah, <clears throat> you should have seen the faces of the people. Um, Barbara Maddie made this 10-foot Bigfoot. Oh, whoa. Or, uh, yeah, she made it herself. She did a good job, but she donated it to the museum in Tallahena uh-huh. um, that Tanya Cordette runs. And um, mm-hmm. in order to get it up there, we had to take it up there in pieces. Mm-hmm. And so in order to sleep in the car that night, she had to take all the pieces out and put them beside the road in the campground. <laughs> and it, it, people would come by and just look like, what is what is that? It's an arm and a leg. <laughs> what happened what is these, i know i said wait till the bigfoot come through and they see you killed one of their family members you know oh that's hilarious <laughs> no my dad made a replica years ago uh we called it boggy and he actually made it from a the source was a lowland gorilla form from a taxidermy supply company he did for museums and then he built it out from there and we had that thing and brought it all over the place to events but uh Several different hurricane evacs and stuff just caused, you know, had arms broken and different stuff like that. So I finally trashed it. Um, it had mold on it and stuff after some of one of the last hurricanes. So we got rid of it. I kind of hate it. was like losing a family member, you know. Yeah. But, but uh, we, we that thing was on National Geographic when I was on there. And then it was. Oh, wow. Um, and several different TV things over the years it popped up. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know you usually ask um, everybody the question, what's the most dangerous, <clears throat> what's the most dangerous thing in the woods? And everybody Humanity. always answers. Humanity. Yeah. Humans. <laughs> uh, everybody yeah, will people. always answer uh, hogs or something like that, you know, and I did the first time I was listening to you speak. Sure. And yeah. I was like, wow, you know, he's right. <laughs> it's, it's people. And, um, I might put an asterisk along that in grizzly country, but you know, generally speaking, it's it's people, and um, and, and still they're more they're probably still more dangerous than a yeah. If you look at stats up there for sure, you know, uh, yeah. but you know it's people, and it comes in a lot of different. I, I, I like to break it down like this: you have like most hunters are ethical, smart, went through hunter safety, don't shoot at anything, but you have like hunters, you know, the five percent of idiot hunters out there who just shoot anything to move. That's dangerous, right? Yes. Then you get into things like just meth, meth dealers and meth labs and stuff like that, which are increasingly common out in the country. And that is very, very dangerous. Then you get into the level, maybe poachers that you run into. Um, and then you get into predators and that's where it really gets dangerous. You know, that's rapist killers, human traffickers, serial killers, And unfortunately, they don't wear, you know, a scarlet S on their head that says serial killer or a T that says trafficker, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I'm even learning in the trafficking realm that they're using women a lot to engage people and uh, stuff like that. So, you know, you wouldn't expect, you know, a cute 20, 22 year old girl coming up saying, hey, I need help. You know, yeah. And lead you somewhere. So uh, humans, definitely. And we, we have plenty of examples of that all over the place now people immediately jump to the bundies which is rare thank god but there's a lot of death carnage horror before you get to those guys but they're out there and there's a lot of that stuff and just you know there's a lot of things happening Uh you don't know what 
happening lost, to missing people. Lost you for a second there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you froze a, lot up. Of, a lot of things going on that we don't know, like um, why so many people are turning up missing in some areas and, and things like that, that there's not necessarily a concrete answer for. So I'm going to definitely go with the people side of things. And, uh, and I, like I said, I have my own examples. I mean, I, I found a meth lab before and I was given a presentation and some people just really shouldn't talk sometimes, you know, and this guy, this guy blurts out, did you confirm it was a meth lab? And I'm like, yeah, I went and knocked at the door. Do you have any methamphetamine? I said, I said, it was one of two things. It was a meth lab. Don't want to meet them. It was Jason Shack from Friday the 13th part two. Don't want to meet him either. So um, ran into that. And when I was a teenager, ran into devil worshipers. Oh, gosh. That was, they scare me, too. Yeah. And uh, it was very quick because I was in a vehicle and it was in the middle of nowhere. And I didn't have once again, I didn't have to go confirm their religious freedom. I pull uh, kind of up to the spot and there's this circle of candles twice as big as my office and a guy in a black cloak going into the bushes. I knew what that was. That wasn't, you know, wasn't the assemblies of God meeting. Okay. And <laughs> in the back row of the middle of nowhere, and there's weird stuff out there. I did an episode with uh, William Ramsey investigates in season one. And we talked about death cults, like along the border and stuff like that. So there's, there's a lot of crazy stuff out there and, you know, and there are, there, you know, people just need to, you know, there's some certain signs you can look for. People just need to use some, go kind of go beyond common sense. Uh, people got to start looking for certain things and then just like maybe backing off if they see it, you know? Yeah. So what do you do in the Bigfoot world these days? Anything? So I, I've always been interested in the Bigfoot world, as you know. I yeah. mean, I, I came up and, and, the era of the legend of Boggy Creek and the Patterson Gimlin film it had been filmed a few years earlier and it was in magazines and TV and me being a nature loving fanatic from birth. I mean, that was, that was a natural for me. And, um, I got into field research in 99 and proved enough to myself that there was something out there, you know, that's what I needed to prove. And, but I, I did it from a journalist perspective because that's what I make my living doing. I'm a wildlife journalist. And if this was a real thing, and it was proven it would be the biggest wildlife story in history with no competition behind it. You know, right? Can you see, yeah. me, can you see me with the Pulitzer Prize? Like my mom's like, "Hi, <laughs> this is for the breaking of the Bigfoot story." You know that kind of thing. But um, I came to a conclusion a few years back that there's probably more to this even than wildlife. Maybe um, there's something odd. And there is. Yeah. So what I decided to do. I said, I'm not, I'm no longer going to do lectures on it. I'm not going to write books on it or articles on it or do TV, you know, series on it or whatever. Everything I do with Bigfoot's going to be related just for kids. Um, so what we've done is we take these kids that love Bigfoot. They may not want to come meet my tortoises, but these Bigfoot loving kids, we've taken them on legitimate expeditions using thermal imaging, night vision, into real historical areas to inspire them to let them know that great things can happen in their life. And See, that's cool. Yeah. That, so everything I do with Bigfoot, I mean, I'll appear at the conferences. I love them. I've got a lot of friends out there. I talk about dark outdoors, which fits perfectly. Uh, but I'm always there soliciting kids uh, for families to get involved that may, that may, you know, have a challenge and a kid loves Bigfoot and this is a way to, to reach them. So 
the third wish we ever did in the program in the third so the first year i did um three wishes what was it first year yeah three wishes and the third one was a bigfoot encounter oh wow I, yeah the third one jackson and um you know i mean that, that's a challenge so we, we set up an expedition into area that i've been into that have had a lot of cool stuff happen over the years and um we get there and I let out a call and something calls back way out. But the kid picks it up first, you know, and that would have been enough for him. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and by the way, this is crazy. The, the kid that he brought with him that night, they found mountain lion tracks, which was, I mean, not these like debatable mountain lion. I'm talking about full on perfect mountain lion tracks, which is very rare in East Texas, you know, to see those. And yeah. they were all jazz and, it's a long way out of this particular tract of land. And, I, and me and my dad wrote, drove in, a, in the truck, the lead truck, you know, and I said, hey, I'm going to stop at three spots and call on the way out. Then we'll head back to you know town or whatever. And my dad, I was tired. It was like 12 o'clock, like midnight. My dad said, hey, you promised the third spot. I literally just tapped the brakes and pulled over. And I get out and I let a yell out. And this thing yelled back so close and so loud that three of the people jumped back in their vehicle. <laughs> and I spent at least three or four hours on the phone with other adults that went on the trip that week because their entire paradigm had been rocked about what was that. And I said, yeah. you tell me, I said, you, I can tell you what it wasn't. Okay. And then you can tell me what you think it is. So, but I'll tell you a really cool story, the way the Lord always works in this stuff. This kid was, had a lot of, a lot of unfortunate things because of a tragedy in their family. And that's when finding Bigfoot, the show was kind of at its zenith, Right. It was kind of at the point where it was like number one show on cable, that kind of thing, right? And uh, I had gotten an email asked if I wanted to be part of an episode they were filming in East Texas. And I, and I declined. I, I wasn't interested in being on the show, but I thanked them. And they said they were having a town hall meeting in Lufkin. And Lufkin's two hours from me. So I messaged the producer back and said, hey, I have this kid in this program. Could I bring him up there to meet? Um, you know, the stars of the show, the cast. They said, sure. Well, I don't always trust production crews, right? So I'm like yeah. hoping we can make it work. And we pull up and it was me and him and his dad in the front seat. And I pull up into this building and on the phone, right in front of us is Bobo, right? <laughs> and I met Bobo before he was known. I was just another Bigfoot guy. Uh, I met him at Bluff Creek when I met Bob Gimlin, you know, years ago. And he, I didn't think he'd ever remember me. So in the kid's eyes are like, oh, my God. You know, me and him get out and he puts his phone and he walks up and he goes, Chester Moore, what's <laughs> up? And this kid got a picture with him. He took us in and introduced us to Renee and Cliff and Renee took the kid around. And, you know, it was great. So we try to use this as an opportunity to inspire um, young people who might be into that topic. That because what happens is, Lisa, when a, when a tragedy happens in life or life is a tragedy or whatever, we think that before whatever happened to us, that life never gets better before that date. Like my life only going to be in degrees of bad after this happened. Right. We want to show them that great things can still happen. So if they're really into Bigfoot, we can do these expeditions and stuff like that. And um, we had one two weeks ago. We had a, we had four kids that were all um, brought down from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Their family brought them down. And it was absolutely mind-blowing. It was incredible. Um, I would have been happy if the entire weekend, you know, because 
don't fake this stuff. You just take him into good areas. Yeah. This is what goes on. Tell him a few creepy stories you've heard and, you know, and, and let him use the equipment. And, you know, I'm like, if we heard like, you know, one distant weird moan, that would make their weekend, you know? And they had the two loudest wood knocks. One of them in, in response to one of their vocals they did that were the loudest I've ever heard in my entire life. And you would have thought like, you know, King Kong come out of the bushes at them. You know what I mean? It was like, so it's great. And they're very inspired. And so that's what we're doing. That's what I do in the Bigfoot world. I take a, a kids a couple of times a year, whenever it works out on these expeditions to inspire them, let them know that great things can still happen in their life. That's good to know. Now, mm -hmm. if anybody's listening, you know who yeah. to contact if your kid is interested. For and sure. I was interested as a kid, you know, and didn't have mm -hmm. anybody to talk to. So I know how important that can be, you know. And Well, I appreciate you giving me a platform to talk about this, Lisa. And I salute you for, you know, asking great questions, you know. And, like, I look at this like what would little Chester have liked to have done? Mm -hmm. You know, I always look at kids from, like, what would I have liked? Because I know if, if it would, like, really inspire me then it probably will have an impact on them you know and like when we do this we give them like huge gift packages and i mean and just try to stay somewhat involved in their life in contact and uh it's it's a lot of fun so and, and what i think what happens is in the cryptozoology world uh which should be fun which should be exciting yeah. it becomes hate field a lot you know i know and, and I have a blood vendetta against you because, and there's some ridiculous crap out there. There's no doubt about it. But <laughs> I always tell people this. If you're not doing it for fun, quit. Yeah. Because you're going to ruin your life. You know, you're going to. And if you don't have an open mind, you shouldn't be doing it anyway. You should be able yeah, to listen just, to other people. Yeah. You know? So we, we, we stay out of the, I stay out of the politics of the, of it. And I. Me too. Try to get kids <laughs> involved in it. And. Um, that are into it and then take them on expeditions and stuff like that. And if, you know, I don't know when this is going to drop, but um, if someone's in Texas or a neighboring very close by state and uh, they have a kid facing a very special challenge, we do have a spot that will be open for the Texas Bigfoot Conference. Thanks to my friend, Craig Woolheater coming up here in October. And uh, you can come hang out with me and I'll get a really awesome Bigfoot gift package and stuff like that. And um, I just want to say, if you're listening, this isn't for you. It's for your kid. So it needs to be a kid into this, not you. And you have a kid that kind of likes it. Uh, we did yeah. it with a kid last year there. And this kid was like mind boggled by it. He loved it. So it's yeah. all about putting a smile on their face, you know? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anytime you could do something for the kids. Anytime, you yep. know? Yeah, that's what it's about. And then going with somebody like you and learning stuff like that is it, it gives them a, a Christian mm -hmm. point of, you know, how to approach this and what not to do, you know, don't go out there and argue with other people and, you know, yeah, just, just none of the nonsense you know, just, and, you know, just go have, just fun, have fun with fun. it. Yeah. yeah. Have fun. And then like, look at it from like, okay, you're interested in this and you love wildlife. I always try to point back to conservation. You got to have a habitat for any of the stuff we love. So maybe get involved in habitat conservation, work with groups, do stuff like that. And, and, you know, use your talents on social media, to raise awareness to habitat. So we have mysteries out there. Cause if there's no woods left, there's not going to be any mysteries left in nature. That's you know? right. So yeah. That's kind of the way we look at it. And, uh, you know, I remember my grandma when I was a little kid used to take me Bigfoot hunting. She called it a few times. She took me out to this bayou 
just drive me out there and we would be park in the evening for like 10 minutes. She'd roll the window down. I'd watch the woods. Right. And that was my Bigfoot hunt back in the day. You know, <laughs> she knew I was interested in it. Little did I know that later on I would investigate reports in that bayou, but uh, <laughs> can't prove there's anything out there, but there were definitely reports back in the day. And uh, so, but that stuck with me. You know, and so how much more would actually get to handle thermal imaging and going out with a guy who's been on these TV shows and and learning about this stuff and hearing reports and being in the woods. And because what it does, you know, like time equals love. If you spend time with people, that's showing love to them. And that's our way of showing love. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I wish somebody like you would have been around when I was a kid. That would have been ultimate thing for me would have been to get to go do something like that you know well you know my grandmother i was talking about she had an organization when i was a kid called my wish she founded it a year after make a wish and this is before the internet so no one ever heard of make a wish in southeast texas she just wanted to grant wishes not wildlife wishes just wishes for children who had terminal illnesses and i was nine years old and she took me on the first wish and the little boy oh. had leukemia. He was my age. And he wanted an American flag for his house. That was his wish. Oh. It really struck. Even at nine, that blew me away. I'd have asked, like, to be in Return of the Jedi, which was being made yes. at the time. Or, like, can I go to Africa? You know, or, you know, or, you know, whatever. And <laughs> so my grandmother granted a lot of wishes of kids over the years. So that definitely planted seeds in me to help other kids for sure. And oh, yeah. um, she's no longer, she didn't get to see this, you know, me doing this stuff. Unfortunately, she passed away about a year before it started, but uh, she would definitely be all into it, you know, and uh, our way of doing it is through wildlife. And whether it's, you know, we've had kids do everything from uh, meet elephants um, to uh, going on expeditions with us in Colorado, a Bigfoot expedition. Most of the kids come here and experience our place. Cause we're not open to the public. And when the kid does the encounter, what I tell them is when the gate closes, I say, Hey, this is for you. The public can't come in. There's no admission price. We don't even advertise. We're here. This is for the kids. The Lord highlights that are special. And this is for you. And you're always welcome to be here and come back. And that has a big impact on them, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's cool. That's fun stuff. You know, it's an unbelievable amount of work. We don't get paid for it. We've never been able to, in our nonprofit, which you can donate, by the way, if you want to help this, I don't mind me plugging it. Uh, No, go ahead. (laughs) You can donate. You can go to kingdomzoo.com and click on the donate link. And there's several funds on there, but they all go to us, our our outreach. Like Wild Wishes is the program we're talking about. You want to do that, you can donate on the Wild Wishes link. And um, it's 501c3. It's uh, tax deductible donations. And um, it's all goes to doing this. We would love to have the financial resources to be salaried so I could quit the other things I do in life and do this full time. <laughs> Never been there, but we're going to do this until, you know, the Lord comes home. So um, yeah. it's uh, it's it's so cool to see these kids do this. And it's wild now. I'm telling, I'm telling my wife that uh, I was telling Lisa the other day, I said, we were in public and one weekend randomly, we ran into three different kids we've done things with over the years. I said, it's kind of cool that we're getting to the point we can't go anywhere without running into kids we've impacted. That That's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, that's, that's fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that gives you a, a initiative to just look what I'm doing. 
Yeah, I'm that's doing cool. good. Let me keep going, you know. Yeah. yeah. Yep, and help them out and make them maybe make them be better stewards of nature than we were and um have, do fun stuff, you know. And uh like I said, it's 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 just it's cool to be able to connect with young people and help them connect with nature. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That is too cool. And stay safe in the dark outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> and pack heat and uh Pray, prepare, pack heat, baby. That's it. (laughs) I was doing it backwards. (laughs) Yeah, it's pray, prepare, pack heat, you know, and that's uh, that's it. I I got shirts. I have shirt with that on it, you know, and I haven't found the design that I want to do like to sell yet. That's coming for 2024. Then I have another shirt I'm working on. It's going to say something like, I will not put the lotion on. I will not (laughs) become a human sacrifice, you know, whatever. Pray, prepare, pack, right. eat, dark outdoors, you know? Oh, yeah. I got to have one of those. I will not squeal like a pig. That's the other one. We're not going to have that on there. Deli- I think deliverance scared more of us than anything else when I grew up. Yeah, you know? I think so. Because I've seen some of those guys. I mean, I, you know, you run into those guys on the river you saw. They might have been a little deliverancey. That's what I was thinking when Ooh. I saw them. It's kind of what I thought. It reminded me of. Yeah, I'm like, hey, no, pal, I, I don't have a pretty mouth and I got a Glock, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were eight of us women there and we're like, oh, you know, man. five of us, was five, at least five of us were carrying. So we were like, you don't want to get out of that boat. <laughs> no, and I salute you for speaking out about carrying like that, being women, because let's face it, how many of these statistics are women? Um, the vast majority right. are women being preyed on by these monsters out there. And, um, you know, I, I'm doing a lot of deep, deep, deep research right now. And I found researching the crime stuff is so unbelievably challenging because what happens is jurisdictions pop up, right? And like, you got a little bit of the stuff on this over here, but this happened in this County over here. And this is on federal land. They have a different system of information. This is on state land. This is on private land. So there's a lot of real challenges out there, but um, I think the use of our natural um, waterways and the use of our federal lands and and forests and stuff is going to just, I think we're going to see a growth in crime. Um, We're going to see more of things like serial killers and and people out there using this stuff. Uh, Human populations are growing dramatically and uh we're there's a lot of folks coming in that are undocumented um yes. that we can't trace uh so and a lot not of cra- to mention that the the world just seems to be letting evil run rampant these days so you know yeah so we got to be careful out there and uh and just go to have fun but always pray prepare pack eat you know and that's that's for sure and uh you know, it's funny. I, where, where was I going recently with a friend of mine, and uh, we were going fishing somewhere. And I, and I, and I had my AR in the back seat. You know, and I've got a three fifty seven, and I got my little three eighty that I carry on me, and all this stuff. He goes, he goes, is it that little overkill from where we're going? I said, no, that's just I carry this into the Walmart parking lot. I mean, this is I have this on me all the time. I said, have you seen Deliverance? He goes, okay, case closed. I get it. You know, I'm like, you know. <laughs> exactly yeah yeah but it's not fear-mongering it's just uh you know being real about it and the thing now is and i just want to say this for like cryptozoological researchers and different people social media is a wonderful thing we can do things like this you can post this on your social feed anyone associated with you can see it and we have meetings that we set up and we talk about events but don't think these predators don't monitor these events 
Don't yeah. think they don't monitor where you're going. Don't think that they don't know. And so especially ladies, if you're going to go do research in an area, I would highly or camp or hike, mm-hmm. highly recommend a private group. Yep. It's like screened unbelievably. And like if one of the ladies has a creepy boyfriend, don't invite her to be part of the group. Yeah. <laughs> um, be very cautious who you let know where you're going to be, you know, because they're using the technology. Oh, I know. And, and, and we and, we do that when we're like planning an, a, an outing somewhere and knowing that our group is all women. Mm-hmm. We will first go on there and say we're going somewhere. It's an undisclosed location. And then only the members that we know that jump in there and say we want to go. Yeah. We'll put them in a private messaging and then we'll talk about where we're actually going. Yeah, that's very, very smart, Lisa, because we have we know of some young girls um, that had people coming online and grooming them, essentially, you know, that were trying to befriend them. And then it became it was, you know, they weren't their age. They were a little older and and then they want to meet up and, you know, some of this kind of stuff going on. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on in every realm. So we got to be careful. But nut job might find out what's where we're going to be, what we're doing. And if you're doing research, you don't want people polluting your research area. Anyway, no. you don't <laughs> want people putting fake evidence and oh, doing God. stupid crap out there, you know? So you never know. know what people are going yeah. to do. And, and that's the one thing just that I will say about cryptozoological research. Um, it's a whole lot less likely nowadays to get a legitimate report than it was 20 years ago because yeah. everybody knows the dialect, the language. Nobody 20 years ago went, well, I went out in the woods and I heard a whoop and I heard wood knocks and I found tree, blah, 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 blah. Nobody knew about that till you saw it. And then maybe right. some local guy you're talking to, hey, we've been finding this. Now people can back engineer it. You know, like, like me oh, and yeah. Jeff Stewart talked about on the uh, Dark Outdoors episode about the cattle mutilations. Oh, yeah. Me, me and Jeff think it's absolutely possible that people could back engineer one of these things now, uh, you know, and mess with people. You know, oh uh, yeah. You know, dark dark cattle. Nobody's doing toxicology reports on these animals, Mm-mm. and you know, use surgical stuff and all that, and then create a sensation and go, "Look what I did!" And no one knows I did it. I look at my crime, and this kind of leads into Dark Outdoors mini season coming up. You want to give me oh. a little teaser here? Yes, okay. <laughs> yes. I have an episode called "The Zodiac Speaks," and um, and. You know, the Zodiac Killer, who was never officially identified. Right. I have a very, very 99.9% who I think Zodiac Killer is. Uh, And I'm going to have an episode about that. And this person wrote books and stuff and talked about committing crimes of recognition, that their crime could be famous. And they sit there in 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 the background and laugh as they're reading in the newspapers and hearing on the radio. And, um, you know, I, I think that there is part of that happening on the web now to where people can, you know, the difference was back in the day, the phantom killer of Texarkana might see something in the paper two days later or on the radio. Now it's instantaneous. It goes on, it goes on, you know, it goes up on X. I hate saying that Twitter. Uh, it goes up on Facebook. It goes up on all these blogs and all that stuff. So um there is an element of even like back engineering stuff and uh it's a different world and as a journalist it's a fascinating world because there's many more mysteries to try to crack you know 
And I talked about a lot of research, Lisa, this particular Zodiac episode. Because Zodiac killed in parks. He killed in lover's lanes. Oh, wow. And and, uh, his famous case was at Lake Berryessa, where he allowed the guy to live. He stabbed him several times, but in spots he knew wouldn't kill him. But he wanted him to to show him in the executioner's hood so the world could see that crazy executioner's hood and had the Zodiac symbol on it. You know? So the guy lived. And then all these letters are written and all this stuff. So I got an episode called The Zodiac Speaks. It's going to be in in this special mini season of Dark Outdoors. And uh, that's going to be a very interesting one. And then I have one about missing people. And it's kind of taking a different look at some of the missing people stuff. Um, you know, there's a there's so much like, I think because of like missing 411 David Pilatus David Pilatus who's done incredible <laughs> research and I honor him for all that but everybody wants to go immediately to that yeah like everything's that and it's not all that there's no, other things not. happening so I'm looking at some of the other underlying factors that are being overlooked on that we're going to be talking about some things happening in the Smoky Mountains and different areas and stuff like that and that really is a big part of my heart for Dark, dark Outdoors is the missing people part yeah. Um, you know, the idea of like we do a missing in the wild every episode, some fairly recently missing person. There might still be hope for uh, to try to raise awareness. And then we got a couple of surprises that we're going to do uh, this year. And oh, you ask about Bigfoot stuff. Like I said, I don't do TV. I don't do lectures, articles, books, that stuff anymore. But I am narrating a friend of mine's project for him. So uh, oh. my, my friend Paul Fizinski has the new Wild Man of the Woods YouTube channel, and he has a Falk Monster documentary he did on it. And his forthcoming stuff, I'm going to be, we're doing a partnership where I narrate his projects, and he's creating commercials for each episode to try to find families that want to do wishes with us for Bigfoot stuff. Oh, yeah, that's cool. It's a good partnership yeah, right so, there. Yeah, great. <laughs> Paul's and I'm going to tell you what Paul will be doing in this in terms of the quality of documentaries is amazing. So I'm super happy about that. That's a fun way to do that. And it's like I said, everything I do in that topic is connected to kids now. And we're going to use that to solicit kids from around the nation that might want to families that might want to might say, hey, my kid has got this unbelievable bullying. It's we had to pull them out of school. They're suicidal, but they love this big the only thing that makes them smiles watching the Bigfoot shows. How much more to make them smile to go out to Bluff Creek or Boggy Creek? Oh, yeah. Something like that. So that's kind of stuff we're working on. Yeah. Well, you know, I started this podcast as a way to uh, bring a Christian view Mm -hmm. into the light and then, you know, start letting people understand a little more about the Christian view and to get awareness out there also like you do for like, you know, for people that are going out there that don't know what they've seen or what they've yeah. experienced you know mm-hmm. place to talk and hey i i appreciate we need we need voices like that because every mm-hmm. other view is represented and i, I salute you for getting the view <laughs> of, of a christian that's when people ask me one-on-one what i think they are i give them my christian perspective view which has mm-hmm. changed from the answer i would have told you 20 years ago what i thought the things were has changed some now totally different mine's totally different yeah mine's you know and that kind of thing but um you know, it's all about showing his love to people, you know, exactly. and it would be really, I, I am part of a church. I serve in our youth ministry. This is my wife. My daughter uh, is part of youth, youth ministry there, but she serves in the, in the nursery. We're very committed to that, but 
my goal is to go out into the darkness. My goal is to go and bring this to places other people don't go. So you're doing it online and I salute you for it, my friend. You're doing great work and you have the coolest crypto name of all time. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And we like to bring his light to people one-on-one, you know, and you can't just always do that in a church and you got to find people where they are and be legitimate about it. You know, you can't like study up on Bigfoot and like, I'm going to be a, I'm going to reach the Bigfoot world and study up on Bigfoot. No, you got to be someone who's into it, you know, and, and talk to people one-on-one. And, and that's the thing, you know, it's interesting, Lisa, you mentioned that you and a bunch of ladies when I was in Alabama, you said. Yes. Yeah. And you're out there together. I have found that a lot of ladies who have been raped and a lot of ladies who have went through molestation as a kid turn to nature for solace um, a lot. And I've we've had some families come through and like moms shared stuff with me and my wife, you know, like what they went through after we prayed for their kid and the whole family broke down crying. You know what I mean? Like, and it was good. Yeah. It was good tears. And they're like, well, I like to go out and solace in nature for that. What they're searching for is that peace, right? They're going out there for peace. They're wanting to find peace. And, you know, and, and, and you and I both know the only way to find true peace is the Prince of Peace. Yes. You know? And uh, but they're searching. And another reason to raise awareness to safety and things is because these going out there and, you know, never know what you're going to run into. You know, yeah. and uh, most of the time it's nothing. But if you're out with me, only if we, if we go out 10 times in the woods, something crazy is going to happen, at least two or three with me. Something I'm telling you, just something something's going to happen, you know. But I, but I go to like, I either go to extremely dangerous places in the city areas because I, I do this city limits f- this fishing stuff, these weird areas because I can't, I have all, I've started learning that some of the best fishing is like little rural streams outside the city. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's where a lot of criminals like to go. Yeah, or in the absolute middle of nowhere, nowhere. also where criminals <laughs> like to go. So, yep. yeah, and yeah, and you don't want these people that are going out to nature for their therapy mm-hmm. to end up needing therapy because they went out into nature. <laughs> that's the best quote of the whole show. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's true, man. That is absolutely true. You know, and uh, you know, it's sad when you like you're walking down a trail and you hear the brush pop. You go, oh, it's only a black bear. <laughs> You know, it's only a feral hog. Yeah. It's not a guy in a white hood, you know. Or with a smiley face thing, you know. Oh, the, the, so I got a great story on the smiley face thing. So I have this young man that I mentor. His name is Nathan. His mom, Cindy, and his dad, David, are really good friends of ours. But Cindy and her older son, Ethan, take care of our animals when we're gone. They're the only people we can trust with the animals, really. And they take care of our animals when we're gone. But Nathan... Loves to hunt and fish. So I said, kid, God puts you in my life for a reason. So every time I'm off around the state somewhere uh, and he's out of school, like on a Christmas break, he's with me deer hunting or duck hunting or stream fishing or something like that. And he wanted to listen to one of my podcasts when it started last year. And that week was the Smiley Face Killer Show. We're we're driving down the road at night, headed out to this cabin. We're going to be staying at my friend's ranch. And he's he's like freaking out. Like he goes, I'll never see a smiley face again and like look at the same way you know so he went with me last year on a wild turkey release he got to go help these guys in spring creek outdoors release wild turkeys which was amazing he just loved it right so we're driving down the road and i see this smiley face sign about this big in the middle of the sam houston national forest which i did my own show about oh no 
he saw it too because his eyes were like this. I slammed on the brakes and it said "Smiley Face Ranch." Oh no! I said I'll give you twenty bucks if you go outside and get a selfie in front of that thing. <laughs> he said, "No way, Mr. Not Mr. Mr. So my well, wife. You know- he I goes to our youth group. Go he goes, Sorry. He goes to, no, he goes to our youth group, and my wife was buying socks at Walmart. They had smiley face ones, so she bought some and showed him. <laughs> Freaks him out anyway. <laughs> Somebody sent me some free smiley socks with something I bought the other day, and I was oh, like, really? uh, I'm not so sure I want to wear these. Yeah, you know? somewhere is a smiley face around here. Somebody gave me a smiley face at an event, uh, and I was like, hey, you're not one of them, huh? <laughs> I used to have one of those little balls on my antenna of my car that had the little smiley face on it. And I started thinking about it. And then I listened to your show and I was like, not so sure I want that little smiley up there anymore. <laughs> I tell you what, out of all the shows that I have done, the second smiley face about the Austin killings that I did for season two with William Ramsey, who's an incredible investigator, was probably my first or second favorite one. Um, because it really put a lot of things together. Like a lot of different research came together in that one show. And it made me like really aware of that. Cause that's my domain fishing water. I'm a, a matter of fact, I'm going to wrap this up yeah. in a few minutes, feed my animals. And I got my fly rod in the back of the truck and I'm going to go to the dark outdoors location, park the correct way, put my pistol in my pocket and fish. But, um, you know, um, th- that was a really interesting one. I remember asking him, you know, on the first time I had him on, when you're in the outdoors, is there any signs you can look for, like any symbols? And, you know, we're talking about death cults and stuff. And I thought he might talk about some kind of a weird, you know, pagan symbol somebody put out. And he goes, smiley faces. And I went, okay. You know, he was dead. William was dead serious, you know. So um, a lot of stuff out there. But I salute you, Lisa, for bringing light into this world and having me on. It's an honor and privilege, really, it is to be on your program, you know, and, and, and have a fun conversation about this stuff, you know. And because guess what? If you and I are wrong about Bigfoot and another guy's right, or if he's wrong, the world's still going to turn exactly. and we're going to go have a good time, right? It's right. It's yep. not going to change a thing. Yep. And like I said, doesn't matter what anybody else says. God's got my back anyway. So that's what I'm talking about. He vetoes <laughs> stuff, you know, exactly. and, you know in the gets, end, he's the one that decides. So <laughs> that's the ticket, you know, and it's like, um, pray. I mean, I mean that I get up every day of my life. And when I first open my eyes, I pray Psalm 91 out loud and name my family members and say it in Jesus name for protection. You know, I did that in 2013 when I first started doing it. And um, 20 minutes later, me and my dad got hit from 18 wheeler, 70 miles an hour directly behind us. I look back and there's there's an 18 wheeler smashes us, probably drug us 200 yards and you know how, like, you watch a movie and there's a rookie here and fire starts? Yeah. I went to the back. I heard that and fire started in my back seat. And oh, I wow. Looked, and I had animals I was bringing to a presentation. And my door is jammed and I can't get out. My dad could get out of his seat, oh. but the center console's in the windshield uh, and we're crushed like a can. And I'm thinking, I'm stuck in a fire. I can't, I just I can't go out. It's on fire. I can't go across. It's on fire and, and you know, whatever. <laughs> And the whole God thing, the autumn, the door wouldn't open, but the automatic window opened. There you go. Yeah. And I learned in Taekwondo years ago how to roll 
like if you had to fall you roll believe it or not i rolled out because my elbows had the oil motor oil on it from the rolling and i got out my dad goes your animals i forgot about the animals for a second you know and i wrestled the back door open and got grabbed two ferrets out my reptiles are already gone that, uh -oh. You know, and I grabbed them and I ran out. And it's really interesting because I have this thing, if, if I may, with John 316 was my favorite scripture. And we were having a very yeah. difficult time in life uh, a few years before this. And I heard a teaching on 316 and it really touched my heart. And the next morning I was, issue was still lingering and went to Whataburger and my change was 316. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Nah, coincidence. Pull around. They told me to go pull around and get your order. And I pull around and the guy next to me has a John 316 bumper sticker. And, oh, wow. Yeah. Sometimes that it's began, too much to be a coincidence. That began thousands of 316s in key moments when I'm in my life. And as I pull these ferrets out, what we, we were slowing down for this wreck. We were slowing down because gradually, because about a mile ahead of us, there was police lights and stuff. There had been a, there had been a, a, a some kind of, I think another wreck. And oh, wow. so by the time we got hit, another, the cop already drove down there. Right. And his cop pulls, I didn't know he's behind me, pulls me out of the fire. We get my animals and he, he's hollering at me, mad at me because I'm going back in a burning, about to blow up vehicle, <laughs> pushes me up against the guardrail of the interstate. And I look right at him and Lisa, his badge number was 316. Oh my gosh. Can't make That's, it up. No. He's good. That's too cool. He's That's good too stuff, cool. you know. But and honestly, good, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, good. But if anyone wants, has a kid with a special challenge in life that legitimately loves wildlife, animals of any kind, maybe lost a parent, sibling, maybe going through severe depression, a critical illness, whatever it is, please reach out to us. I'm at the Chester Moore on Instagram, um, Higher Calling Wildlife on Facebook, or just Chester Moore on Facebook. But I have 5,000 friends I can't add anymore. Um, Chester at ChesterMoore.com or just forget that. You can message Lisa and she'll get contact info over to me. And uh, we would love to do something special for your kid. And I know that there are families out there that feel hopeless because nothing is touching their kid. I will say this. I've had kids come in with every imaginable situation. Hadn't have one leave yet. Not smiling. They all smile and they left. They're all smiling. So that'd be great That's to have awesome. some kids come out. Absolutely. And remember, if you want to contact me, it's cryptidsunlimited at gmail.com. Trademark yeah. that woman. That's a great, that's a great, I'm telling you, trademark it. Cryptids Unlimited. I want the shirt. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start some shirts, but um, I'm probably going to wear them. But, you know, I might do some more for some other people later. But, yeah, that'd be a good idea. But, yeah, I uh, don't know how I came up with that name. It just kind of hit me. And I think, you know, I think it was uh, the Lord was pushing me to do this podcast. and. I'm sure he named it for me. So, you know, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if you reach one person and bring hope to his hope to them, you've mission accomplished. That's what I want to do. At, you know, at I, least you know I think about the demoniac of Gadara and Jesus and the disciples went across the sea of Galilee for one man. They went through a yeah. storm that night for one man and they stepped on that shoreline. And that man who had 6,000 demons in him says legion, mm -hmm. 6,000 is a legion in Roman times. And that we know there's at least 3,000. He cast them in a herd of 3,000 pigs. Right, yeah. But his power was so magnificent that those spirits caused that man to bow down and start negotiating their terms of release. 
And yep. he had compassion on that man. He cast the evil out and he sent that man out to tell his story. It says he published, which means he preached in the Decapolis, 10 big cities. So it's not too hopeless for you folks out there. There's still goodness in life, you know? Absolutely. You got me all fired up, woman. What's going on here? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed coming on the show, though. I sure enjoyed having you. No, it was a really honor and privilege and pleasure. And uh, it's been fun. It has been. Yep. I'm going to tell everybody else good night and we'll uh, end this recording. I'll talk to you for a second. Adios. So good night, everybody. If I